Well, the plan was for Jonathan to be here today, but um, he came home from work on Friday with a little bit of a scratchy throat and chills. And then that turned into like some deep chest congestion and fever. And I looked at him and I said, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get out of work on Sunday. That's what you're trying to do, right? <laughs> Actually, you know, in 30 years, he has never once missed church for illness. So this is a really strange thing for him. But when he started feeling really bad, he texted the leadership team and he said, here's the situation. I don't think I'm gonna be able to be there on Sunday. They came back with an idea. They said, hey, it's Mother's Day. How about if we have Mary give the message that day? I, <laughs> you're very kind. Full disclosure, that was not how I responded. <laughs> I said, I have an idea. How about we contact the elders, and if any of them has any hesitation, then we'll just take that as the Lord's leading. And I thought I'd gotten out of it. But don't you know, they came back with a very enthusiastic, yes, let's have Mary do it. So here we are, and I'm very honored to be opening God's word with you today. So welcome to those of you online, those of you at Olmstead Falls, those of you at Lorraine Correctional, we are really glad that you're with us today too. We're gonna be mostly in the book of Matthew, the uh, 22nd chapter, and in the book of 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bible and you wanna open or open it on your phone or however you do that, that'd be great. In the last several months, I've had two separate conversations where people have kind of opened their heart to me and kind of said, I just feel like my life is so mundane. I, I, I just feel like I'm not really like making a difference. They wonder, what is God's purpose for me? What has God got for me? Because I don't feel like I'm really doing anything important. I wonder this morning, have you ever had those kinds of thoughts? You know, you get up in the morning, you go to work again. You go to school again. You, you stay home with the kids, you raise them, take care of them all day again. You're retired, whatever your season of life. You just don't feel like you're doing anything big or exciting or incredible or world-changing. I wonder if you've ever felt that way too. Do you ever wonder, what difference am I making anyhow? What is it in the morning that makes you get up out of bed? What is it that makes you get up out of bed in the morning? Uh, I think maybe my favorite answer to that question is this one on the screen here. <laughs> to be honest, really, anybody else there? And sometimes way earlier than what I, what I meant to do. I didn't really mean to get up this early, but there was something just compelling me to get out of bed. Today we're gonna look at something that Jesus said and some people in the Bible who flesh that out for us and how does that intersect with our lives and, and, and what, uh, what that means for us today in 2022. So something that Jesus said when a religious leader came to him and asked Jesus, teacher, what is the most important commandment? What's the most important thing for me to know? You know what Jesus said? Here's the most important thing. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. The second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we have there the vertical, love God, and the horizontal, love people. 
Let's look at two people in the Bible who kind of help flesh this out for us. Their names are Lois and Eunice, and they're a mom and daughter, which is kind of appropriate on Mother's Day, I think. We don't know a whole lot about them. And you know, that's one of the things that really inspires me the most about them, is that as far as we know, they never did anything really dramatic. They just lived their lives honoring the Lord just in their everyday lives, day after day after day. If you've ever wondered about God's purpose for you, I hope you'll be encouraged. It's not always like the, the big, amazing, impressive things. Often that vertical and horizontal that Jesus talked about, it's lived out in the everyday mundane choices that we make. Just the daily routines, doing them in a way that honors the Lord. So those days when it takes special courage to get out of bed in the morning, those days when it's hard to get up, when it just feels like you're facing a whole new world of hard things, we're gonna see that it's a noble thing. It's a noble thing to get out of bed in the morning and to face another day, to be pleasing to the Lord. We don't have to do what others might call great things. The vertical and the horizontal that Jesus talked about, it really shows up in the little choices we make day after day after day. So let's get to know Lois and Eunice a little bit. We read about them in the books of 1 and 2 Timothy, and those books are actually letters that were written by the Apostle Paul to a man by the name of Timothy. We'll be talking about Timothy here, so I'm just gonna put his, um, you're gonna be really impressed by my drawing skills here. Almost as good as my husband's, which if you come here regularly, you're gonna know. Okay, he's gonna be really jealous, and hi, honey, if you're watching. Um, okay, so here is Timothy, and here we go. Ooh, those are big eyes, okay. So Timothy will be talking about today. Here's what the Apostle Paul, he's got some words for Timothy. Here's what he says. I hear someone laughing. I don't understand why you're laughing at my drawing, but I'm just gonna take a deep breath and not be hurt by that. Okay, so here's what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Your sincere faith. Let's put that up here because that's gonna be important. I am reminded of your sincere faith. And then Paul goes on, he says, your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois, we'll put her over here, grandmother Lois, let's give her some curly hair and some glasses, how about? Since she's a grandma, which I am also a grandma, just gotta get that in there. I wish I had some pictures of my little Teddy to show you. So the grandmother Lois and the mom, Eunice. So Paul says, Timothy, you have this sincere faith which first lived in, better give her some arms, in your grandmother Lois and your mom Eunice. Now here's what I find kind of fascinating. There seems to be a connection. There seems to be a connection between Timothy's faith and his mom and grandma's faith. So I wanna look into that and see why, what is that connection? The first thing I have to ask is this, what is sincere? If he has a sincere faith, what, what does that word mean? I think it's helpful sometimes when I'm reading the Bible to go back, you know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, so sometimes I'll go back and, and look up what did that original Greek word meant? What are all the connotations we get when we see what that original word meant? So I looked this one up, you'll see it on the screen here, I won't try to say it, but the original word in Greek is this, and here's what it meant, it meant without wax. 
Because back in that time, they would often use clay pottery. And you'll see this clay pot here has a crack on it. When that would happen, what they would do is they would take this special wax and they would rub it into that crack. And they would cover that crack up and they would make it look like that pot was flawless. So this pot on the screen here, that's a sincere pot. That's a pot without wax. That pot right there, you get you see what it really is. There's no like trying to cover up and make it look like it's something that it's not. No veneer, no let's make it look better than it really is. Other versions of the Bible translate that same word as genuine, unfeigned, unhypocritical, without play acting, without playing the part. So what if we take that word sincere and we apply that to a person? What is sincere? Sincere would be that person is not pretending to be somebody they're not. They're not trying to, trying to look better on the outside or, or, or trick someone. That person is the same person at home as they are in public. The same person when the world isn't looking as they are when the pictures are being taken for Instagram. That person is sincere. They're authentic. Some of you know my husband's parents, they were the first pastoral couple here at Grace. They were here for many years and they had such influence on so many people. One of the things that my husband will often say about his parents is this. He says, they were the same people at home as they were in public. Not that they were perfect, no, but they were authentic. They were people of integrity. They lived with humility before the Lord in public and in private, the same. No pretense, people of integrity. Since my husband's not here, I can tell you about him. He's the same way. The man that you see here at church is the same man that lives in my house. Sincere, without wax, genuine, authentic. Lois and Eunice, they had a sincere faith. So then my next question is, okay, we know what sincere is. What is faith? What does that mean? So I looked up the word in Greek. You'll see it up on the screen there. And here's what it means. It means to be persuaded, to come to trust. So you know people, right, who say, oh yeah, I have faith. Oh yeah, I believe in God. That is not what this word means. This word means to be completely persuaded, so much so that we put our trust in. It wasn't just that Lois and Eunice believed in God. They had heard about Jesus. They had learned about him. They knew what he had done, and they believed in him. They put their trust in him. Their faith was real. It wasn't just like a religion or you know, a list of do's and don'ts and am I good enough? Can I make it seem like I'm a religious person? That is not what their faith was. They had put their trust in Jesus, and they had given their lives to following him. When I was in college, I wasn't raised in a home where I knew what it meant to be a follower of Christ. When I was in college, one of the girls on my, on my floor told me I should start reading the Bible. So I said, all right, I'll read the Bible. And it was really something. As I was reading, it was like lights started coming on in my head. And I started seeing, wow, there's more to this than just like going to church and being a good person. Like there's a God who is real and who loves me and who wants to have a relationship with me, wants to be a part of my everyday life. 
And the Lord began to do such a work of changing me from the inside, from my heart working its way out into my life. That's, that's what sincere faith does. It changes us. I'm also struck by the fact that Paul says that sincere faith lived in your mother and your grandmother. It lived in them. I looked up that Greek word, and here's what it means, to dwell in and influence. When faith lives in us, you know what it does? It shows. It's obvious. So what does that look like? How does faith show up in a person's life? For one thing, if you flip over a few pages to chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, you see that Lois and Eunice were committed to the word of God. I think there's a lot of confusion sometimes where people think, okay, faith means like you know the Bible and you have your theology all wrapped up and you do the right things. When I look back in Bible times, the Pharisees did all that, right? They knew their Bible, they had their theology wrapped up, and they did the right religious things. And how did Jesus feel about that? He was not impressed. That is not what sincere faith is. Having a sincere faith that lives in you, it's not just knowing a lot of stuff, it's not just doing the right things, it's being completely surrendered to Jesus and becoming more and more like him. I like this, I heard it one time. It's not about um, reading the Bible, it's about letting the Bible read you. Isn't that good? Not about reading the Bible, but about letting the Bible read you. So we come to this book and we say, Lord, I wanna learn more of who you are and I wanna be who you want me to be. Would you show me areas of my life where I'm not completely surrendered to you? Would you change me? Would you do in me what you want? to do in me. There's a verse, I think it's in the Psalms, that talks about God's searchlight in our hearts. And I pray that sometimes, Lord, would you shine your searchlight in my heart? Show me those corners where I've hidden things away, where I've not surrendered completely to you. What do you wanna do in me, Lord? So, it's such an interesting thing. As we begin to say, Lord, I'm surrendered to you, as the Holy Spirit begins to work in us, the Spirit of God begins to work in us, the Bible tells us that he begins to change us, he begins to transform us, he begins to produce new things in us. The Bible calls those the fruit of the Spirit. Here, I'll do this in another color so it'll stand out. The Spirit begins to produce in us things like, out of our sincere faith, things like joy, like love, like peace. The Spirit of God is producing these. Things like patience, like kindness, like, oh, two S's on there, like goodness, like faithfulness. The Spirit of God creating in us self-control. joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, like gentleness. Those are the fruit of the Spirit that the Bible tells us God produces in us when we are completely surrendered to him. So having a sincere faith, it's not necessarily knowing all the right things and doing all the right religious things. 
It's loving the Lord so much that his spirit bubbles over in the way that we live. Jesus said, love the Lord and love people. Vertical, horizontal. I was, okay, true confessions here. I was recently eavesdropping on a conversation. And it was between these two people. And here's what happened. I'm gonna call them A and B, okay? A had planned this big event and put a ton of work into this big event. And it had gone pretty well. B was at the event, but really hadn't done any work for it. So, so these two people are talking, and B has lots of advice for A about how they could have done things differently, and maybe you should have done this, and you should have done that. So I'm listening to this conversation, and inside I'm starting to feel like, that is so unfair. Like, come on, A, just tell them. You do it next time then. You just plan it. But I'm listening as B's just talking, 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 and A is just patiently listening, asks a few clarifying questions, just listening. And it was pretty fascinating. As B talked and talked and talked, she started realizing, oh, Maybe my ideas aren't as good as I, thought, as I thought they were. And at the end of the conversation, A had been so patient and so kind and so not how I would have responded. And I made a mental note. And I said, self, that's how you want to be. You want to be like that, controlled by the Spirit of God so that he produces in you patience and gentleness and kindness, so that when I, when I feel like I'm being attacked or I feel like someone's being insensitive or unfair to me, I don't come back with a defensiveness, but I come back with the Spirit's gentleness and patience and kindness. Sincere faith is not this compartmentalized thing where I say, oh yeah, I go to church on Sunday, that's where I express my faith. No, it's, it's a life-changing thing that affects all that we do. Lois and Eunice's faith was sincere. It transformed their lives and it affected everything they did. If Lois and Eunice had lived in your neighborhood, I feel very sure that you would have known there's something different about them. If they had worked in your office, I think you would have seen the way that they interacted with people. They treated people with value and with the love of Jesus. I think you would have said, hey, there's something different about them. If you had watched them as they were raising Timothy, I, I think you would have said, wow, look at how they interact with such kindness with that child. Sincere faith shows. You know what I think is interesting, and maybe you've seen this too. It's often in the toughest times in our lives when our faith can shine most brightly. If were you wondering if I thought I might get hungry during the service? So I just had an orange over here just in case. <laughs> if you had never seen a citrus fruit and someone handed you an orange, you could know some things about it, right? See what shape it is, what color, what size. You could smell it, but can't really smell anything. You wouldn't know what was inside this orange. But what if you pressed it? What if you put some pressure on that orange? You know what happens then? Oh, wow. That really smells good. Then you start to find out what's inside of here when you put some pressure on it. What if you really stressed out this orange? I mean, really put some stress on it. That's when you find out what's inside that orange. Oh, it's 
smells so fabulous, that juice. It's so... Friends, when you and I go through times of stress, times of pressure, that's our opportunity to find out how beautiful our faith really is. I imagine for Eunice, she had a lot of those opportunities to find out under stress and under pressure how beautiful her faith was. It seems that she and her husband were on different pages spiritually. That can be a really hard thing. You can read more about that in Acts chapter 16. And it seems that maybe Timothy's father had deserted their family when Timothy was young. Maybe he had died early, we don't know, but for some reason there's no mention of him being involved in Timothy's life, which leads us to think that maybe Eunice was a single mom. Can I just say to you single parents, I really admire you. I really, you have such a hard job and yet you persevere and you keep doing the, the next right thing and you keep pushing through. My, my hat is off. My mom was a single parent, so I know how hard that is. And I just say, wow, I really respect you. And I would encourage you, just keep leaning into Jesus. He's gonna walk with you through it. So I think life may have been hard for Eunice, but you know what? She was known for her sincere faith that dwelled in her, that influenced how she did her life. Sometimes the little things are the big things. Getting out of bed in the morning, facing another day, seeking to love the Lord and to love people, that's a big thing. Things like noticing that person who's alone or lonely or left out, noticing them and valuing them. Things like listening, really listening when there's someone who's going through a hard time and you can lend them a, a caring ear and listen and pray for them and follow up with them. Things like prioritizing time with Jesus, getting to know him, showing him our love by spending time with him. Things like choosing not to join in on the gossip or the criticism, that's a big deal. I was at a funeral a few months ago and here's what they said about this dear lady. Someone said, she never had a mean word to say about anyone. And I thought, you know what? I wanna be like that. They also said that she lived out her faith in the way that she forgave people. That's how I wanna be. Rick Warren says, that's where integrity shows up, in the stuff that nobody sees, in the stuff behind the scenes, in the small, unseen, unspectacular choices of life where you do the right thing even though nobody's ever going to see it. The little things matter. And you know, when you live with integrity, when you live a life of sincere faith, of authenticity, you can have such a profound influence on the people around you. When your faith is sincere, when it lives in you, when it changes you from the inside out, when you love God and you love people, that is so profound in a world where people are, are hungry, longing to be loved and valued. When you live like that, you have such a profound influence on the people around you. So how do we get there? How do we, how do we become like Eunice and Lois with a sincere faith that changes us, that bubbles over, that overflows to the people around us? How do we, how do we get here? We're gonna find some wisdom in an unlikely place. It's in 
a country song. So I'm just gonna sing for you here. If you'll, no, I'm not, actually. You'd all get up and walk out. So I'll just read the words. Here's what they say. Driving through town, just my boy and me, with a happy meal in his booster seat, knowing that he couldn't have the toy till his nuggets were gone. Green traffic light turned straight to red. I hit my brakes and mumbled under my breath. His fries went flying and his orange drink covered his lap. Well then, my four-year-old said a four-letter word, and I was concerned. So I said, son, now where'd you learn to talk like that? And he said, any country music fans out there? <laughs> you can say it with me if you want. I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you and eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. We got cowboy boots and camo pants. Yeah, we're just alike. Hey, ain't we, Dad? I want to do everything you do. So I've been watching you. We got back home and I went to the barn, bowed my head, and I prayed real hard. I said, Lord, please help me help my stupid self. Then this side of bedtime later that night, turning on my son's Scooby-Doo nightlight, crawled out of bed and he got on his knees, he closed his little eyes, folded his little hands, spoke to God like he was talking to a friend, and I said, son, now where'd you learn to pray like that? And he said, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo, I wanna be like you and eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. We like fixing things and holding mama's hand, yeah. We're just alike, hey, ain't we, Dad? I wanna do everything you do, so I've been watching you. I don't know if they had country music back in Bible times. <laughs> Maybe they did. If they did, I think Timothy could have sung that song to Eunice and Lois. Been watching you, Mom. Been watching you, Grandma. I want to be like you. I, I want to have sincere faith that lives in me, that bubbles over, that overflows, that shows love for God, that shows love for people. I, so I've been watching you because I want to be like you. I wonder today, I wonder who's watching you. Who's saying, I've been watching you, Mom. I've been watching you, Grandma. I've been watching you, Dad. I've been watching you, Grandpa. I've been watching you, Aunt. I've been watching you, Uncle. I've been watching you, Teacher. Been watching you, neighbor. Been watching you, coworker. Wonder who's saying that to you today. I'm watching you because I see something different about you, and I want to be like you. I'm watching you. I also wonder this: Who are we watching? Who do we want to be like? Don't you want to be like Jesus? We can watch him. We can study him. We can see how he does things, see how he values people, see how he spent time with his heavenly father, how he loved the word of God and he knew the word of God and he meditated on it. We can watch him because we want to be like him. And that's not all. We can invite him. We can invite him by his spirit and say, Lord, would you come and live in me? Would you change me from the inside out? Would you produce your, your, the fruit of your spirit in me? Would you make me more like Jesus? Lord, I'm completely surrendered to you because I want you to do what you want to do in my life and make me more like Jesus. That's when we live into the purpose that he made us for. On those days when life feels mundane and we feel like we're not doing anything great, oh, oh, what does Jesus say is most important? Love God 
and love people. Let the Spirit transform you and make you more like Christ. Our youngest daughter, when she was in eighth grade, she said, I wanna learn how to speak French. So she signed up for French class and all through high school she took French. Then she went away to college and at her college they didn't have French. So you know what she did? On her own, she studied French all four years. She would listen, she would read, she would use Duolingo and all these kinds of things. And then she graduated from college and you know what she did? She moved to France. Don't let your kids take a language in school. (laughs) Moral of the story. Living in France, she has been immersed in French. She's talking in French. She's interacting with people who are speaking French. And do you know what's happening? She's becoming more and more fluent in French. Every once in a while, she'll call us and she'll say, oh, I used the wrong word in a conversation today. (laughs) And it was really funny, you know, and she'll tell us what happened. But she's becoming more and more comfortable in French. Becoming like Jesus is the same way. When we immerse ourselves in the word of God, when we spend time with Jesus, when we make room for the Spirit to do His work in our lives, you know what happens? We become more and more fluent in living like Him. We become more and more comfortable in living like Jesus. Are there gonna be times when we don't get it right, where we, where we mess up and we have stories to tell of things? Well, maybe not stories to tell, but forgiveness to ask, right? Of course. One thing I love is that living with integrity is not the same thing as living with perfection. Living with integrity is different than living with perfection. Yeah, we want to be like Jesus, but, but when we mess up, if we're quick to go to him, he has promised forgiveness for us and cleansing. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a promise from the word of God. So when we mess up, we go to God and we ask him for forgiveness. We go to the people that we've offended and we ask for forgiveness. And praise God, his mercies are new. How often? Every morning. His mercies and his grace is new every morning, which means that every day is a fresh start. Praise God for that. So I love this little saying. And then I'll pray for us. I love this little saying. You are under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. It's a great thought, right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being gracious and kind and loving and merciful and forgiving. Thank you. Thank you. I I just heard someone say this morning that most of us will never be like the Apostle Paul We'll never be on a big platform like a Tony Evans or Elizabeth Elliot or, but Lord, every one of us can be like Lois and Eunice. Every one of us can live day by day in your presence, loving you and loving people and asking your spirit to fill us and change us and transform us. And so, Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for each of us that we'll be fully surrendered to you. Would you shine your searchlight in our hearts and show us any dark corner where we're hiding anything from you, God, would you do that for us? We wanna watch you. We wanna be like you. Thank you so much for loving us and being so gracious to us. In Jesus' name, amen.